This is True Capitalist Radio. True Capitalist Radio. I am your host, the man they call Ghost. The badass of business. Give him capitalism or give him death. That's it. Period. Broadcasting from his Skyline office studios in beautiful downtown Austin, Texas. You sound fruitier than a box of Fruit Loops, for Christ's sake. And now, he'll take it from here. Your host, the prognosticator of prognosticators, the man they call... Ghost. Well, good evening, good afternoon, or good morning to all the folks that are out there listening to the True Capitalist Radio broadcast. And of course, I am your host, the man they call Ghost, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in with me. This is episode number 567 for all the folks that are keeping track of the True Capitalist Radio broadcast. And if you haven't already done so, please add to your bookmarks and add to your favorites my official website. Uh, The website is, type this in your browser, ghost.report. It's as simple as that. Type that in your browser. Ghost.report is the official website of yours truly. And if you haven't done so already, please follow us on Twitter. The Twitter name to follow is Capitalist Ghost. All one word, no underscores. Capitalist Ghost is the name to follow on Twitter. And before we get started, if you do appreciate what you're hearing in the serious content of True Capitalist Radio, then please feel free to support us on the following avenues, you can go to the official website of this podcast. The official website of the podcast where you can get it is anchor.fm slash ghostpolitics. That's anchor.fm slash ghostpolitics. And hit the support button if you want to support us, if you want to sustain the continuity of the seriousness of this broadcast. And if, if not there, you can go to my official website, by the way, which I just mentioned, ghost.report, and go down below the chat widget and you'll find a buy me a beer button. <laughs> I know it's a little facetious, but you could support the broadcast in that capacity as well. Just hit the buy me a beer button at the ghost.report website. And uh, I will give you a shout out if you happen to be a supporter in any of those two avenues on the next True Capitalist radio broadcast. All right, so if you want to sustain the seriousness of this continuity of this broadcast, go ahead and support in those two avenues. All right, now that we got now that out of the way, let's talk about why I'm here. Today is the day that economics is going to change for everybody in the United States economy, and that's because Jerome Powell is going to speak later on this afternoon outlining what the Federal Reserve plans to do to curb inflation. Now, we all know that inflation is at 40-year highs. I think it's at 7.9% on the CPI. And that it means that that is just an astronomical high price. And this is a month-to-month type of situation on CPI. I mean, we're at 40-year highs. What this means is, folks, is that the Federal Reserve has printed out so much money, specifically during the time of COVID, that all that money is circulating and artificially creating an increase in prices regardless of what you're buying. And you see, because we have scarcity, artificial scarcity, because of dumbass Joe Biden and his vaccine mandates, which caused the mass exodus of employment 
Uh, this is why we're seeing sparse shelves. This is why meat prices and commodities prices are going higher. Uh, folks, uh, this is all culminating to bad policy by Joe Biden and or whoever the hell's in charge up there. I think he's a, a senile geriatric old idiot that barely knows whether he's coming or going. I mean, I'd like to remind everybody that as the Russians invaded Ukraine last month, uh, Joe Biden was already in bed. All right. I remember when the damn Russians invaded. It was 8 p.m. or so Central Standard Time, and Joe Biden couldn't even be bothered. So in my opinion, I mean, we're only blaming Joe Biden as the figurehead because he's the executive of this government, but he's obviously not in charge. But regardless, that's what we're dealing with right now is high inflation. And the Federal Reserve is going to announce how they're going to begin to start curbing inflation. And the only way they can do that is to stop the printing presses of the money. So one of the first things they're going to do, folks, is they're going to end this $120 billion a month bond buy that they've been conducting ever since July of 2020. And the reason the Federal Reserve did this was because of the so-called pandemic and the shutdown, et cetera. So the Federal Reserve thought it was a good opportunity to buy $120 billion a month bond buys. Now, when the Federal Reserve says they're bond buying, this is nothing more than a fancy way of the Federal Reserve saying that they're allocating printed money that they've printed to a specific sector. And in this $120 billion a month bond buys, what was being allocated was 80 billion of that 120 was allocated to mortgage-backed securities. So if you're wondering why we're seeing such high home prices, it's the direct consequence of the $120 billion a month bond buys that the Federal Reserve has been doing since July or June, I should say, of 2020. So that's $80 billion monthly going to mortgage-backed securities ending this month. That's what Jerome Powell is going to announce today. And, you know, you can only imagine that that's going to have a tremendous impact in the home pricing so for all you folks, and I hate to say this, that bought in uh, in the real estate market at the tail end, at the highs, in, as far as prices are concerned, you may or may not see your mortgage, all right, be higher than your home price at this point. You might be underwater on your mortgage because this is definitely going to bring down home prices. I mean, just imagine, folks, $80 billion a month allocated for mortgage-backed securities Anybody with a pulse and a half-assed job can literally get a mortgage right now, and that's what's causing this massive increase in mortgage prices. So keep that in mind. That's the it's ending this month. It is definitely affecting home prices. So people are asking, okay, ghost, that's eighty billion of that hundred twenty billion dollar a month bond buys. Where's the other forty billion going? The other forty billion, folks, is going or it was going until this month or today to corporate debt at the Federal Reserve window, meaning corporations, big corporations can go right to the Federal Reserve window and get these $40 billion in monthly loans that the Federal Reserve's given out at damn near little, if not no interest. So that's coming to an end today as well. So, okay, let's just review what I just said, because I know there's a lot of complicated stuff here. $120 billion bond buys ending today. 80 billion mortgage-backed securities, 40 billion corporate debt. So when that comes to an end, 
aside from what we just mentioned earlier about the home prices decreasing because of this, we may start seeing some massive decreases in the stock market because corporate earnings are going to be a lot less for a lot of these companies that are cooking the books based on debt. You see, right now, folks, most of these big corporations that are sustaining their high stock prices, they're cooking the books. They're taking loans from the Federal Reserve window, putting it into their bank account, and making it look like it's profit. Okay? That's what's going on here. So now that that's all coming to an end, we're going to see the prices affected both in the housing market and in stock price. So keep that in mind, folks, that today you're going to see a contraction or at least the beginning of a contraction in both those sectors just based on the ending of the $120 billion monthly bond buys alone. Second thing is the heightening of interest rates. Now, folks, I'll be honest with you. The heightening of the interest rates, even at a very minuscule level, is going to change the way investing is going to be. You see, in high interest rates in environments, when in economic environments with high interest rates, it's not about um, speculation. You know, it's not about investing in a tech stock because this tech stock has given some trajectory to profit, even though it's not currently profitable. You see, in high interest rate environments, folks, the only people, or I should say the only companies that actually generate uh, profits or at least stock rises are corporations that actually produce profit, that are actually selling a service or selling a product, actually accumulating actual profitability. This idea of speculating, this idea of overvaluations, like for instance, uh, DoorDash, I mean, wasn't that uh, valuated like $40 billion or something ridiculous like that? How many damn trips of people going and getting people's food that have to be before you even break even on that $40 billion valuation. And you see people bought into it because that's the environment that we're in. We have so much money. You've got so much money circulating because the Federal Reserve has printed it out that this is why you have things like inflated stock prices. This is why you have things like meme stocks and meme coins we would not be having these types of absurdities in the investment community if there was a high interest rate environment, which we are now about to enter into. Now, let's get back to the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, folks. Now, I personally believe that we're going to have to bite the bullet. A bad side effect of raising interest rates is a lot of people are going to go broke. All right. You know, it, it could potentially cause a recession. That's what ends up happening when interest rates go higher, and uh, that's what's going to happen regardless of how much they raise them. Now, in the mainstream business media, they have claimed that the Federal Reserve may just go 0.25% increased. Many have speculated maybe 0.50% increase. And I'll be honest with you folks, if the Federal Reserve does this, I think it's a little bit of an irresponsible monetary policy on the Federal Reserve's part. Because, okay, I understand what the Federal Reserve is trying to do. It's trying to create a, quote, soft landing when raising interest rates, and they want to incrementally do it without affecting the markets majorly. But you see, folks, the rate of inflation is so high that 0.25%, 0.50% isn't going to make a dent in an inflation rate 
that is now uh, 7.9%. It isn't even going to make a dent. And frankly, I think it could do more longer-term damage to the economy by not raising interest rates at least comparable to the rate of inflation. I think that we could prolong this problem. It could be very dangerous. And in my opinion, I think it's better to feel the sting now and curb this whole inflationary situation down now than it is to incrementally bring in interest rates at 0.25, 0.50, and hope that it curbs itself on its own. This is what the Federal Reserve has been speculating for the past couple of years. I mean, every time Powell has been sitting in front of the Congress, he keeps saying that, oh, well, don't worry, uh, inflation is going to go away on its own. It's going to go away by this summer. It's going to go away by this fall. It's going to go away by next year. I mean, he's been just pushing and kicking this can down the road, thinking that miraculously it's going to solve itself, which it can't. So 0 0.25, 0 0.50 is irresponsible monetary policy. Now, me personally, folks, I think that you need somewhere, okay, between two and five and a half percent increase, a minimum of two percent, so that it can at least stop inflation. It's not going to curb it, but it'll stop it instantaneously. A two percent increase, in my opinion, will affect the market, but it won't affect the market as much as if you were to raise interest rates at the rate of inflation. So in my opinion, 2% is minimum so that we can start getting integrity back into the United States dollar, bringing value back to the dollar, while at the same time not necessarily impacting markets at a very instantaneous rate as it would if you raised it to 5 or 7%. Now, me personally... I mean, I think 2% is minimum. I think maximum you need about 5, 5.5%. You see, 5.5% will obviously cause the markets to go into free fall down, you know, downturn. And that's a consequence of raising interest rates. The whole purpose of raising interest rates is to artificially bring the cost of everything down by increasing value in the dollar. Now, people are asking, wait a minute, Ghost, I don't understand this. How does raising interest rates bring value back to the dollar? Well, you see, folks, raising interest rates by the Federal Reserve, that is their way of recalling some of these outstanding currency notes that they've been printing out of their asses for the past 20 years. And you see, when the interest rates recall some of those outstanding currency notes and take them out of circulation, the value of the dollar goes higher and the price of everything goes lower. This is why this is a very important day today on what Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve chairman, is going to announce the Federal Reserve actions are. So in my opinion, if you could raise the interest rates around 5.5%, I, I, you know what, 5% even. If you raise it 5% even, the remainder left over, Okay, uh, 7.9 minus 5%. The remainder left over will be offset by rising commodity prices. Okay, so in my opinion, I think to solve the current inflation problem is very easy. You increase rates 5% instantaneously. You bring down the cost and prices of most things with the exception of scarcity. That's the bad part about it. Even though the price of everything goes down when a valuable dollar goes up, scarcity becomes profitable. Remember that. 
In a high interest rate environment, scarcity is profitable. But I'm digressing here. So once again, folks, 5%, okay, that's almost the rate of inflation. The remainder, okay, 7.9% inflation, 5% interest rate hike, whatever's the remainder of that subtraction will be offset by the increase in commodities prices. And by the way, not only would it bring down the cost of everything, it'll also bring down the cost of things that are scarce because the value of the dollar goes up. And when the value of the dollar goes up, not only do prices go down, but it encourages people to actually save money. And when people save money, uh, that is reflected in consumer confidence. And as a result, it's reflected in the prices of everything. So that's my assessment and my personal opinion when it comes to the Federal Reserve. They have to at least go 2 to 5% if they truly want to make a halt, a complete halt on inflation. Now, when this happens, folks, let's just say for the sake of argument that they don't do this. And let's say for the sake of argument, they're just going to go a pissly 0.25, 0.50% interest rate hike. Well, even then, folks, they're going to have to chart dot plots. By the way, the term dot plot is Federal Reserve lingo on when they plan to make another decision to raise interest rates. So if they go a measly 0.25, 0.50, I'm sure the Federal Reserve chairman is going to announce somewhere between five to eight dot plots this year alone. Okay, so just keep that in mind before you hear his announcement later on this afternoon that he needs to at least, in this podcaster's opinion, the badass of business, he needs to at least raise interest rates 2% if he wants to make an impact on inflation. Me personally, I think it should be 5%, but 5% is going to tank every market. It's going to tank every asset market. And I don't think people are prepared for that right now. That's why the Federal Reserve is delicately trying to approach this interest rate hike because they don't want to you know, cause a major recession. So once again, folks, uh, even if it does, the Federal Reserve does raise it 2.5, uh, 0.50%, there's going to be dot plots for this year alone attached to that. So at some point, we're going to get at 5% at the end of the year regardless, because the Federal Reserve knows it needs to have the ability to be able to raise interest rates, even if it's at an incremental level, to eventually get to the rate of inflation. So there you go, folks, okay? There you go, right off the bat. This is what's happening today. The Federal Reserve is going to end the $120 billion bond buys. It's going to raise interest rates. Now, what does that mean for investors? It means, folks, that cash will be king at some point. That's why yours truly has cashed out all, if not most of his fucking stocks, excuse my French, cashed out most of my stocks, canceled all cryptocurrency, which we're going to get to in a minute, cashed out all cryptocurrency, and the majority of my portfolio right now is cash because we're heading into an environment where the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates. And folks, when interest rates are raised and assets are falling down in value, the people that are going to be rich in this environment are those that have the cash to be able to go and buy in on the cheap while everything is falling on its face 
And that's how you make money, long-term, major money in the stock market, okay? Or, or in any market, in any asset market. Buy low, sell high. When do prices go low? They go low in under these types of conditions. When value is brought back into the United States dollar. So what's the investment strategy? Well, first and foremost, folks, like I said, actual profitability is going to be profitable in the stock market. And what you're going to find is that there's not that many profitable companies in the damn stock market. <laughs> I mean, most of them are operating on pure debt. So what you're going to find here after the interest rates go higher is that institutional investors are going to strictly go to profitable companies with low debt-to-income ratios, if none at all, if that's even possible. Because that's the only thing that's going to maintain profit. And all these speculative companies that are saying, oh, well, you don't understand. We need five or 10 years that, uh, you know, we, we're, we're not going to make any money and eventually we'll become profitable. You know, the whole dot-com strategy, the startup strategy of like, look, uh, you know, we're not going to make money here for another five or 10 years. But after that five or 10 years, we're zoomed to the moon. So that's going to come to an end speculation, overvaluations, all that's going to come to an end after today. Another thing that's going to come to an end, folks, is um, this idea of meme coins and meme stocks, okay? Uh, this is a consequence. And look, you have to know the end is nigh when you see people investing their hard-earned money in stocks and coins that are meaningless, Okay, that are fucking meaningless. I'm sorry. I, you know, Wall Street bets, I'm calling your asses out. All the organizers of Wall Street bets, if they're not in prison in the next couple of years, then there is no justice. Then there is no regulation of markets because what Wall Street bets has done has fooled a whole group of, I guess, tens of thousands of people into believing that if they invest in these meme stocks, that through some financial trickery that these stocks, which are currently falling in value because they're dying, they are dead companies. I mean, AMC has got $5.7 billion in debt, okay? Uh, I don't understand where the strategy is uh, when it comes to long-term investment in these stupid meme stocks. I mean, this is a big con game by that asshole Roaring Kitty and his moderators over there at that Reddit subreddit, Wall Street Bets. I mean, they have convinced people that somehow, some way, these dying companies, which are literally insolvent, I mean, they're just waiting to be put out of its misery, that somehow, uh, if all the people on Wall Street Bets own the majority of the stocks, that somehow they can make the stock go up to $20,000. A dying company with like 50 million shares outstanding, these idiots actually believe this, okay? Now, how does Wall Street bets get away with this? All the circulated money, all the outstanding currency that has been printed out by the Federal Reserve. There is so much money circulating in America that this is why idiots can do this. This is why idiots can take hard-earned money and put it in some stupid dying stock because some jerk-off on Wall Street bets told them to do so. Same thing with the meme coins. Oh, dude, I, 
I don't know which one's worse, the meme coins or the meme stocks. Meme coins are probably the worst because they are legitimately meaningless. Okay, the you know what meme coins are, folks? It, it all started when this man-child of investment community called the cryptocurrency investment community decided that, oh, you know what? I like coins with dogs on a little dog face. You know, a little Shiba dog face. I like it. I, I'm not fucking kidding. I'm sorry for cursing, but it pisses me off. These people are out here investing in coins because it has a cute dog face on it. I mean, Dogecoin specifically. Let me call out Dogecoin. Dogecoin was created as a joke. It wasn't even intended to be seriously, uh, uh, like a serious investment instrument or anything of that nature. It was a joke. It was made as a joke. And by the way, Dogecoin never stops mining itself. Dogecoin will continue to mine until the end of time. What does that mean? That means it's going to continue to produce Dogecoins automatically until the end of time. It is an unlimited circulation. So just based on that premise, how the hell can anyone believe that this the stupid fucking joke of a coin can actually become profitable one day? Can somebody explain this to me? They can't. I mean, honestly, do you think during a recession or a Great Depression, do you think anybody's going to give you one red cent for a stupid Dogecoin? Do you think that you're going to be able to trade a Dogecoin or a Shiba Inu coin or all the other stupid meme coins out there for anything? No, it's meaningless. It's stupid. And I don't mean to be getting so upset about this, but there's a lot of people that are going to lose a lot of money because of their own ignorance. And when you try to tell these people about their ignorance, they'll look at you with that with that four-eyed stare and go, uh-uh, no, baby, Shiba Inu to the moon. Oh, no, Dogecoin to the moon. Oh, no, AMC to the moon. Uh, I mean, oh, good God, dude. I, I can't stand this. This is why I believe, going back to the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, this is why I think we need a 5% right off the bat today, interest rate hike. Shock the market. All these morons that have their stupid net worth and these dumb assets, they need to lose their money. They're not going to learn until they lose their ass. And they're on the street corner looking for pennies on the floor or some shit. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry I don't have compassion for these dumb people who are just throwing their hard-earned money in something that they, they don't even know why. I mean, I tried to ask some of these AMC Wall Street bets idiots, give me some kind of reasoning, some kind of rationale where this stock is going to go 20 grand with 5.7 billion in debt with a negative net income on a quarterly basis. How, do, how the hell is this going to work? They can't explain it. They just think that, oh, it's just going to happen. We're, we're, we're all going to buy it and it's going to go to the moon. Okay, let's just go with that mentality for a second, okay? Let's say everybody in Wall Street Bets owns the majority of the shares in AMC, okay? And let's say they artificially, they're able to artificially drive up the price. Somebody in that group is going to be holding the bag for everybody else that bought in when the price of AMC was like a buck, okay? So whoever's holding the high-end price, the so-called 20 grand that these idiots in Wall Street bets believe AMC will eventually get in stock price, which is impossible, but let's just say it does. 
somebody's got to hold that $20,000 bag. And everybody below that person from 10 to 20,000, they're going to be holding the bag. I mean, somebody has to lose when it comes to the stock market, okay? So in my opinion, Wall Street Bets is setting up their own people to lose so the people that were there first get to cash out and get to make all this capital. Meanwhile, all the suckers that believe these idiots are the ones that are going to be holding the bag to a company that is insolvent and will eventually go bankrupt. So, I mean, this is, the, this is why we need an interest rate hike considerable. We cannot have people like warping the markets in such stupid euphoria. I mean, we have to get a, uh, to a certain level of consistency. We need to go back to institutional Wall Street where you follow the profits. That's where you put your money in. You follow the profits. But no, you don't need to be profitable in today. Well, I don't know, maybe, maybe not after today, but you can't, uh, you, you just have to have some idiots like on Wall Street bets tell, oh, you have to buy this stock because to the moon, that's all you need. And by the way, you know what you Wall Street bets idiots did? You raised the stock price for these incompetent executives that put AMC in the precarious economic situation that it's in. You allowed these executives to cash out themselves, their, their own preferred stock, to not only parachute them out with a big fat chunk of change while, you know, ruining the company, but also the company was able to get some kind of capital during the heights of these AMC prices, which I think was like 60 something dollars. Well, they were able to raise about 1.3 billion. I'm talking AMC, the corporation, they were able to raise 1.3 billion from these idiots who heightened the price of the stock from Wall Street bets. Now, okay, that's good news, all right? AMC, you know, they were able to accumulate 1.3 billion. You know what these stupid idiots did? They invested in a gold and silver mining company with a questionable past, all right? I mean, it is the dumbest investment I have ever seen in my life. And by the way, why the hell would you invest in a mining company at the height of prices of gold that are going to potentially go down, by the way, because, you know, lest we forget, we're about to go into an interest rate hike and uh, gold goes down, you know, whenever the value of the dollar goes up. So why the hell would you invest in a mining company during this time? And, and, and second of all, I don't know if y'all ever kind of invest in mining stocks or have researched the sector in general. That's a very hard sector to be profitable on. I mean, that's a very speculative business. I mean, you got to find whatever it is that you're looking for. And the cost of finding gold and silver is enormous. The machinery, the manpower, the man hours, etc. I mean, how can a movie theater company, all right, and the executives that run that think what this was a good idea? I hope all you Wall Street bets idiots know y'all are about to lose all your money and this is what you get for not doing your due diligence and actually researching about what the hell you're putting your hard-earned money into instead of listening to a bunch of idiots that have a vested interest in making sure you invest in the stock that they own, that they bought in at it about a buck or two, while you idiots are holding the bag at 60 65 uh, uh, $50, $40, $30, et cetera.
And I hope that you all on Wall Street Bets have learned a lesson that, uh, the you know, doing stocks, investing, it's not as easy as it seems. All right. I know it seems like you people think you know everything. Time will teach you the markets. All right. I've been through many crashes and through those crashes, I've learned what has happened. Okay. I mean, right now, the crash we're about to get into, and it's, it's going to happen, whether the Federal Reserve triggers it, whether uh, the ending of the $120 billion bond buys, whether the vaccine mandates that idiot Biden put in late last year, something is going to trigger this massive decrease in the markets. And when it happens, everyone who has put every red cent of what they own or what they earn into assets are going to find themselves broke as a joke. They're going to find themselves broke as a joke. And the and this is what happens every time. Once these people, your average schmo, gets burnt in the stock market or in the crypto market in this case, they will never be investors ever again. They will never invest in the stock market. They will never invest in cryptocurrency. And they will call it a scam until the end, even though it was their stupidity and ignorance that put them in the financial precarious situation that they're in. So anyway, folks, as far as cryptocurrency, since I just brought it up, cryptocurrency is dead, folks, okay? Cryptocurrency is dead. I know there's a lot of believers that still believe it out here, but you know who ruined cryptocurrency? You know who destroyed it? The man-child bullshit investment community killed cryptocurrency. These same idiots that are like, oh, you know what? I'm going to invest in Dogecoin and Shiba Inu, and I'm going to invest in these coins. I like them. They, they, they look so cute. I mean, are you God damn it, are you kidding me? I mean, take a look at all the dumbass, ridiculous uh, cryptocurrencies that are popping up, uh, popping up out of nowhere. All right? Uh, and all the, the ripoffs of Dogecoin. Look at Shiba Inu, Shiba Dogecoin. Okay? I'm not even kidding. Chills coin, all right. Uh, uh, what uh, there's Dogecoin right there. Uh, we've got Flow coin, we got Reef coin, we got OG fan token, we got COVID cutter coin. I mean, I'm looking right now, this, this is ridiculous. Amazing Dogecoin, Alon Doge Mars coin, uh, Floki Musk coin. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I am not cyborg Shiba coin, ape coin. I mean, this is ridiculous. Mars colony coin. I mean, this is ridiculous, folks. I mean, I'm just telling you some of the ridiculous names of these cryptocurrencies, and it reads and spells man-child autism on the spectrum Asperger shit. All right, I'm sorry. I know I'm cursing a little bit too much, but I'm trying to get the point across to you folks that cash is going to be king here in the next, uh, after today, in my personal opinion, and all these assets that all these morons have got in crypto and stocks are going to lose their ass. You already know that there's going to be a decrease in home values because of the uh, mortgage-backed securities that are going to be cut off because of the $120 billion month bond buys. Corporations are not going to be able to go to the Federal Reserve window anymore to cook their books. I mean, this, there's a lot of factors in here. Whether or not you believe that the interest rates are going to cr create a recession or not, there are so many factors in here 
that I am not a investor in anything right now. I am holding cash. I am waiting for the great contraction in the stock market. And let me tell you, in my opinion, when all is said and done, I personally believe that we'll see the Dow Jones as low as 12,000 points, maybe even lower. And when that happens, that's when you want to go into the market and start buying it up. This is what Warren Buffett has done, and this is why he's become a billionaire. He's saved cash, and whenever he sees a massive crash in the market and he feels like the bottom is there, he just starts gobbling up. He starts gobbling up companies. He starts gobbling up high uh, dividend stocks. He starts gobbling up blue chips. And then 10 years after that crash, what's what happens? Uh, it, it goes up 1,000% every thousand plus percent each and every one of the stocks. And then he does it all over again. I mean, that's what he's been doing. And uh, that's why I've always said, if you've been a longtime listener of True Capitalist Radio, what have I always said? I mean, don't get me wrong. I like day trading. I like short-term investing. I like shorting. I like all these financial instruments. But what have I always said? I said long-term investment reigns supreme. And that rings true when you take a look at Warren Buffett and how he's made his billion dollars. Say so he's made his billion dollars, excuse me, billions of dollars with this long-term investment strategy. So anyway, folks, I hope that you understand that once Jerome Powell comes out today and makes whatever announcement that he's going to make, it's changing the investment strategy and it's time to start tiptoeing into these assets bearish. Not bullish, bearish. Because I'm telling you, folks, lifestyles are about to change. Uh, the quality of life is about to change. It's starting to change now, you know, with the sparsity of grocery shelves and the heightening in meat prices and in other commodities, wheat, the oats. You know, I mean, it, we're, we're seeing it now. Just wait until the interest rates go high. Even at a 0.25, even at a 0.50% interest increase, I think that we're going to see reverberations from that. So as I stated, this is why for the past two or three months, I've been saying that cash has been the majority of my portfolio, and I'm just sitting back waiting for the prices to go low and the value of the dollar to go high so I can just start, just start gobbling stuff up, just like I did back in 09. I mean, folks, if you go back to the first episodes, like the first 20, 25 episodes of True Capitalist Radio, during that time, this was back in 2010, during that time, folks, the Dow Jones Industrial was at 8,000 points. 8,000 points. And at that time, I was trying to tell everybody, hey, uh, you could throw a dart at a chart of Dow Jones Industrial stocks and make money in the long term right now. You will not see 8,000 Dow Jones Industrial ever again. That's why I'm saying even if we go down pretty drastically in this contraction that, that's impending, I think that the worst we'll see is 12,000, maybe 10,000 Dow. But even then, that's when you want to buy. That's when you want to buy. So I hope that you all understand that this is the kind of situation we are getting ourselves into. And... Uh, the investment strategy changes. It's not about speculation. It's about profitability. It's about scarcity specifically. Whatever is scarce as far as commodities are concerned are going to be an avenue of investment in high interest rate environments. So if commodities are scarce, 
That's where you want to put your money in a high interest rate environment. If oil is scarce, that's what you want to put your money in, in a high interest rate environment. Cars right now are becoming scarce. That's a potential of putting your money in a high interest rate environment. The whole strategy of investment changes. Remember that. Okay. Keep that in mind. All right. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to get into a little bit of political news here because politics does affect what the hell's going to happen in our economy. And uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about that. Now, before I get into how the political realm is going to actually affect our economics, I do want to highlight that I did post another article on Ghost.Report that I'd like to go over here briefly. It's called, Did Lloyd Austin Cause the Russian Invasion of Ukraine? Now, as you heard from the previous episode, episode 566, the motive of this war or the invasion was money owed to the Rothschilds. And I don't want to get into the 411 about that, but if you do want to listen to it, go to anchor.fm slash ghostpolitics, and you can hear the episode previous to the one you're listening to now highlighting how Rothschild debt is the basis of why we're seeing this invasion from Russia. But there's a little bit of politics involved as well, folks, okay? And in this article, I discuss how the chain of events leading up to the Russian invasion may have directly caused the Russian invasion itself. And in it, I talk about how Joe Biden, as much as he's anti-Russian now, actually tried to make a pact with Russia in the summer of 2021. Okay, if you go take a look at this article right now, folks, okay, it's on Ghost.Report, Did Lloyd Austin Cause Russian Invasion? In May of 2021, there was a meeting of the Arctic Council. I don't want to tell you what the Arctic Council is, but there's a link there on the article to figure out what it is. But in that May of 2021, the Arctic Council was meeting, and it was given Russia the chairmanship of the council. Now, at this Arctic Council meeting, Secretary of State Antony Blinken had actually talked with the Foreign Minister of Russia, Sergei Lavrov, and they actually had a very good meeting, so much so that they set up the meeting for Putin and Biden at the G7 summit of June of 2021. And at the same time, it, it was such an agreed to pact between Blinken and Sergey Lavrov that Antony Blinken lifted a Trump era sanction on a Russian pipeline that was being built to Germany. So, I mean, that, that obviously was a show of an attempt at an olive branch to show the Russians that the United States was serious about making this pact with Russia. Now, why would Antony Blinken be making a pact with Russia? Because of China. Now, when the G7 summit happened later that uh, summer in June of 2021, uh, we had both Biden and Putin meet together, and it was a decent meeting. I mean, so much so that uh, there was a Time Magazine article that I've got uh, linked there, or excuse me, it was an Ar Atlanta Council article, excuse me, that believed that because of the meeting between Biden and Putin, it was good news for Ukraine. And everybody championed it as a success. It looked as though the United States and uh, Russia were actually going to get into a pact together. That was until our affirmative action uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin 
decided to put his nose into business that I think is above his pay grade, okay? Now, let me explain how everything was going great with this potential pact with Russia up until August of 2021. All right, we we, we, we met up at the Arctic Council in May of 2021. Uh, Putin and Biden had a successful meeting at the G7 summit in June of 2021. Later on that August of 2021, Lloyd Austin decided to take it upon himself to call the Russian defense minister for some reason to have a conversation. After this conversation in August of 2021, that's when the Russians became belligerent and started threatening invasion and started doing all this shit. Whatever the hell Lloyd Austin did during that conversation ruined the diplomacy that was set forth by the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, and the meeting between Biden and Putin. Now, Lloyd Austin has taken it upon himself many times to use his authority as defense secretary to take trips. I mean, he's he's one of the few defense secretaries I've seen that has traveled as much as a secretary of state. For instance, okay, in, uh, what was it, March of 2021, that spring, before all this started, Lloyd Austin took it upon himself to go visit India for some reason, okay? And I had no idea that the defense secretary had the authority to be able to threaten sanctions on a country, but that's exactly what he did with India. In March of 2021, Lloyd Austin decided to threaten India with sanctions because they planned on buying the S-400 missile system from Russia. The same S-400 missile system that is owned by Turkey, a NATO member, by the way. I'm, I'm just saying, folks, this is, this is the most stupidest idiot defense secretary I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I hope that you understand I am not a racist person. But if you're going to use race and gender as the number one focal point of hiring people, this is the type of stupidity that you're going to get. I mean, take a look at Kamala Harris and the word salad. She is literally uh, espousing to the world at this point. I mean, just take a listen at the latest press conferences by Kamala Harris. This should show you that competence and intelligence and experience should be the focal point of choosing anybody for any job. Lloyd Austin over here taking it upon himself to threaten sanctions with India because they're going to buy the S-400 missile system from Russia, the same S-400 missile system that's owned by NATO member Turkey. I mean, who gave Austin the authority to do this shit? And by the way, folks, guess who's on the side of Russia in this Russia-Ukraine invasion? India. India has refused to give sanctions to Russia India is even talking about some kind of economic deal with Russia amidst this. I wonder why. I wonder why. You don't think that Lloyd Austin going over there and threatening them sanctions has anything to do with that? And not to mention, folks, Lloyd Austin took it upon himself to travel to Ukraine literally days before the Russian invasion. I'm not even, I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. Lloyd Austin took it upon himself to go to Ukraine. And the reason he went to Ukraine, folks, and the reason why Russia invaded Ukraine 
was because Ukraine supposedly wanted entrance into the NATO alliance. So Lloyd Austin took it upon himself on February 17th of this year and decided to have this valiant speech in front of the Ukraine parliament or whatever fucking government building it is and saying, Russia, you don't choose who we choose to be in the NATO alliance. And I quote, he said, and this is Lloyd Austin, Putin says that he doesn't want a strong NATO on his Western flank. He's getting exactly that, Austin said, as the alliance warned that Putin could order a full-scale invasion at any moment. Like, that is an antagonization. In my personal opinion, folks, I think that uh, Lloyd Austin has been working against the administration, and the proof is in the attempted pact with Russia that Blinken and Biden tried to broker in the summer of 2021, and it being completely ruined by this idiot affirmative action, disgusting, despicable moron of a defense secretary called Lloyd Austin. And by the way, Lloyd Austin just so happens to be on the board, or at least he was prior to his defense secretary term here. He was on the board of Raytheon. Raytheon, folks, is the biggest military contractor in the world. He also belongs to some private investment firm that buys military suppliers. And I mean, this guy has a vested interest in going to war. I mean, how did this guy become the Secretary of State? Or excuse me, the Secretary of Defense. I'm sorry. How the hell did this guy become the Secretary of Defense? I mean, This guy has a vested interest in making sure that the United States goes to war, that there's world war, because when there's war, those that are invested in military industrial complex uh, companies, they stand to gain big profits. How this guy became Secretary of Defense is beyond me. But anyway, I didn't want to go too far deep into that article. Once again, it's called Lloyd Austin. Did Lloyd Austin cause the Russian invasion? And I think he was definitely a factor, folks. I think he was definitely a factor. And I don't understand why nobody in the media is pointing the finger at this piece of affirmative action trash. Anyway, and, and by the way, um, Biden, he's decided to engage with China at this point, even though China seems as though they're kind of playing both sides and they're entertaining, you know, uh, a business deal with Russia, etc. Anyway, they decided to have seven-hour talks. You know, they sent some diplomats to, I don't know where the hell they were having these damn stupid talks, but seven hours of talks with China. And what did it culminate? It culminated into a Chinese representative coming out and chastising America, saying that we are an inhumane country because police kill black people. Can you believe? I am not kidding. After all those seven hours of talks, the Minister of Foreign Affairs comes out in China, says that the United States has committed serious human rights violations, that black people are getting killed in the streets by cops, etc. And now what's happening here is China's trying to frame America as an inhumane country when they themselves are the definition of inhumane countries. And see, folks, this is what gets me a little concerned about what the hell this administration is doing, because even though we have a coalition, supposedly, with the EU and uh, you know other countries, I mean, that doesn't mean dick. 
What's really scary is the fact that Russia has now got India on its side, which is over a billion people. It's tentatively, in my opinion, getting China on its side, which is another billion people. Okay? So the population of these three countries alone stand to be a formidable force against any kind of coalition that's on the side of America and Europe. This is why I'm saying this is Europe's problem. America should have nothing to do with this crap. I don't understand why America does. I think we talked about it on the last episode. I think we know why, but we shouldn't. And the worst thing that Biden did was, in my opinion, cut off the oil from Russia. Meaning that we're no longer, and the rest of OPEC is no longer buying Russian oil. And instead of like going to Saudi Arabia and the UAE and saying, hey, look, uh, you know, can you increase production? They're not even taking Biden's calls. You want to know why they're not taking Biden's call, Saudi Arabia or the UAE? Is because Biden is cozying up to Iran and Venezuela to offset the oil sanctions. Two enemies of America is what Biden is cozying up to. There are representatives in Venezuela right now trying to negotiate with Venezuela. That's why Nicolas Maduro all of a sudden has done a 180 on his view of America all of a sudden. I mean, Biden is is sucking the schlong head of our enemies, in essence, to try to offset Russian oil. And then not just Venezuela, Iran. And by the way, folks, aside from Iran kissing up to him, they're trying to bring Iran back to the stupid nuclear deal that was signed by dumbass John Kerry and the Obama administration. And guess who's sitting at the negotiating table with that uh, renegotiating of the Iran nuke deal? Guess who? Russia! What is Russia doing at the negotiating table with America in this Iran nuke deal bullshit? What is Russia doing? It makes no sense. What this administration is doing makes no damn sense. They're cozying up to Iran, Venezuela. Iran, they're trying to bring back to this nuke deal, and Russia's at the negotiating table with China. I mean, what sense does this make? And on top of that, folks, the reason Saudi Arabia specifically is pissed off is because for whatever reason, I have no idea why, Joe Biden recently announced that Qatar, of all fucking countries, Qatar, he uh, Biden announced as a non-NATO ally. Now, this makes absolutely no sense because Qatar has always been a little bit belligerent when it comes to the Middle East and America's interest, etc., But the reason that this is pissing off Saudi Arabia is because Qatar is funding the Houthis that are attacking Saudi Arabia from Yemen. Okay, so, I mean, I don't understand how Biden thought that this was a good diplomatic move to announce Qatar as a non-NATO ally and how that wasn't going to piss off the Saudi Arabians. They're getting hit up all the time from Yemen by, by being financially supported by Qatar. By the way, the Houthis, which is a terrorist organization in Yemen, has taken control of the country, and Qatar is the one that's funding them. Qatar is the one that's sending them weapons, etc. So if Joe Biden is wondering why Mohammed bin Salman isn't taking his calls in Saudi Arabia, that's why! 
So this whole goddamn thing that Biden has put America in is a mess. It's an utter mess. I have no idea why the hell Biden is doing what he's doing. Uh, you know, part of me thinks that, okay, he's incompetent, but part of me thinks that this could be intentional. I mean, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist here, but I mean, we got to go back to uh, Hunter Biden and the deals that Hunter Biden made with uh, Ukraine and China and Russia and, and all these people. I mean, uh, are these people colluding? Are these, uh, you know, the, the, the folks that are supposed leaders, Joe Biden and the Democrats, are these people leading us down to slaughter? Are they just trying to do this and make it look like they're incompetent when in actuality they're agents for China, Russia, and other interests, United Nations, globalism, uh, uh, Klaus Schwab? I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, because this is too much incompetence for this to be incompetence. I mean, this is made to look like incompetence, but I believe it's intentional. I mean, so much so, folks, that I tweeted the other day that uh, George Soros and myself seem to be on the same side all of a sudden. Can you believe that? George Soros uh, said recently that he's worried that, you know, the Russian attack could spark the end of civilization. He's talking about the civilization that he helped create, which is Western civilization. And he feels that both Putin and China's Xi Jinping need to be removed as soon as possible. And I hate to agree with George Soros, the prince of darkness here, but that's exactly what needs to be done. Because both of these leaders have taken their countries into realms that are putting their own people at risk and they're putting the global order at risk. And I'm no globalist. But the last thing we need is global confrontation amongst nuclear powers at this point. And because, you know, we've isolated Russia so much, I'm almost, I mean, I don't want to say this, but uh, I think that the probability of nuclear detonation is now in the 80 percentile possibility range. I'm not kidding. So I hope that level heads prevail because when you've got George Soros agreeing with me, uh, we're in a clown world that I never thought I'd ever see. I never thought I'd ever see it, ever, ever see it. Oh, my God. Anyway, folks, uh, I hope that you have surmised a little bit of uh, the things that I've been discussing here. Uh, this is very serious times for everybody. Uh, don't believe the hype when it comes to this ridiculous uh us versus them, you know, I'm for Ukraine, I'm for Russia. It's not America's problem. Wish This is old Europe's problem. Let the EU deal with it. I mean, Ukraine and this idiot Zelensky wants to enter the EU. And so do the other Baltic states. How is this America's problem? The EU is globalism. Why the hell is America even getting involved in this old Europe shit? And like I said on the last show, I know people are saying ghosts, but you, you, know, you can't be an isolationist ghost. You know, that's how Hitler came to power. So what? So what? Okay, what did we do in World War II? When somebody finally hit us, we came into the World War II theater and kicked the shit out of everybody. Why can't we wait and do that again? That's why I'm saying, folks, be vigilant out here. I think the so-called leaders in Washington, D.C., specifically in the Democrat Party, 
are trying to lead us into slaughter. And the decisions that they're making for us, our country, our civilization is so anti-American. How these people have not been uh, uh, removed from power and put on trial is beyond me. It's beyond me. Anyway, folks, this concludes the True Capitalist radio broadcast for today, or I should say podcast. Uh, Once again, folks, if you like these types of broadcasts, want to see them longer, you want to see them more frequent, uh, please, uh, you know, support the broadcast by going to anchor.fm slash ghostpolitics and hit the support the podcast button. Or if you don't want to do that, go to my website, ghost.report. Type that in your browser right now, ghost.report. Add that to your bookmarks. Add that to your favorites. And click the buy me a beer button, okay? Once again, anybody who does either one of those will get a shout out at the end of each podcast. And uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, we'll see, you know, how much support we get for serious content. Now, for those that like the tomfoolery and you know, the trolling and all that component of the broadcast. I will be live this Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time at the uh, Vaughn.live slash ghost. Uh, There's a link on my ghost.report page as well, but Vaughn.live slash ghost. And uh, I'd love to see some of you there. It is nothing like the serious show. It's a bunch of tomfoolery, trolling, you know, kind of adult, you know, kind of humor, etc. So keep that in mind, folks, okay? And of course, if you haven't already done so, please follow us on Twitter, folks. The Twitter name to follow, Capitalist Ghost. All one word, no underscores. Capitalist Ghost is the name to follow. Once again, folks, if you want to hear more frequency of these shows, you know what to do. Please support the broadcast. I want to thank you all for listening. And uh, until next time, I hope that you appreciated some of the serious stuff, and uh, let's see how serious you guys are, all right? Anyway, regardless, thank you for listening, and long live the capitalist army, and I'm out of here.